0: I'm Franco Terzano,
1: And I'm Jasmine Moulton.
0: And you're listening to the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast, where we're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. And we've got a good episode for you, because in Deep Dive, we're going to be talking about uh, my neck of the woods, where we actually have politicians trying to reduce the pay of government employees. And in Waste Watch, we're going to be talking about the federal government spending money it doesn't have on art for empty offices. Yep, you heard that right. But first... And everyone's talking about it right now. Here's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau presenting his plans for, quote, the Great Reset to the United Nations.
2: This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality,
0: and climate change. Jasmine, what do you make of all this?
1: Actually, the prime minister's right that Canada needs a reset, just not the type of reset he's talking about.
0: <laughs> what? Okay. So, so then what kind of reset do you think Canada
1: needs right now? We need a reset on our government's spending problem. Canada's on track to surpass $1 trillion in debt this year, which means that in one single year, Trudeau has already added the same amount of debt that it took Canada 22 years to accumulate. So call it whatever you want, a reset, a reality check, but something's got to give because taxpayers can't afford for Trudeau's reckless spending to continue.
0: Yeah, but Jasmine, it's, uh, it's COVID we're dealing with here, right? Is it now the time for governments to uh, spare no expense, uh, as if that's what governments haven't been
1: doing for the last how many years? That's the problem, Franco. They've gone totally overboard. Canadian household incomes actually went up by 11% in the first few months of the pandemic, according to a new OECD report. So the CERB more than replaced incomes. People were making more money sitting at home than they would have by going to work. So it's no wonder Canada ranks first for unemployment in the G7, according to an OECD report from September, yet we have the largest spending deficit in the entire G20, according to the IMF.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of frustrating things going on here. But you know what's really frustrating for me is that we, we hear governments and politicians, they pretend like there is no middle ground between some crazy type of spending where they're spending truckloads of our cash and uh, some strict austerity. But, you know, why can't politicians just limit their spending to where it's needed? You know, throughout the downturn, we, we've seen families and businesses tightening their belts and focusing their spending on what they need the most. I mean, why can't we see the same type of thing happening from our politicians?
1: Careful, Franco. Rational thinking like that will get you labeled heartless. But in all seriousness, this government does need to reset its approach to spending. It's kind of like Trudeau's turned on the money taps, and Finance Minister Christia Freeland is struggling to control the fire hose. And this is precisely where we need the reset. taxpayers can't afford for them to continue this firehose approach where money rushes out of federal coffers so fast that the government loses control of where it's going. Blacklock's reporter just reported that 824,000 people got Serb checks who weren't even eligible and that cost taxpayers about 1.7 billion dollars and we've all heard about how federal infrastructure minister Catherine McKenna lost track of 20,000 projects as part of the government's $187 billion infrastructure program. This is all money that we're going to have to repay at some point. And now with an economy that's much weakened, it's going to be a lot harder to pay it all back.
0: Yeah, there's so much crazy spending going on right now. But the crux of the problem, as as you know, I think I see it along with this the crazy amount of spending now, is that the government's wild spending spree started years ago, right? It didn't start with the pandemic. Um, Trudeau added over a hundred billion dollars to the debt tab in the five years he was prime minister before COVID nineteen. So yeah, I guess uh, budgets don't exactly balance themselves. And you know what's really troubling about that clip that we heard at the beginning of the show with Trudeau talking about his uh, great reset plans. Is that he says he wants to, quote, accelerate his pre pandemic plans. Okay, we're talking about this craziness, but Jasmine, what do you think the government should do next?
1: Instead of using the pandemic as an excuse to double down on his political priors, Trudeau needs to get his spending under control. And fortunately, there's this really great tool to get spending under control that I would highly recommend. It's called a budget. It's this really handy thing where you put on paper what you want and what you have. And if you don't have enough money to pay for what you want, then you have to prioritize what you can afford. But if you don't budget, you might just end up in this pesky little debt situation like Canada finds itself in today.
0: Oh, boy. I mean, it seems like forever ago was the last uh, Trudeau government budget. Jasmine, do you know exactly how long it was since our last federal budget?
1: Well, unfortunately, this government now holds the record for the longest period in Canada without presenting a budget. It's been 400 days since this government was elected back in October 2019, and it hasn't presented a budget in that entire time. In fact, the last time a federal budget was presented in Canada was more than 600 days ago, back in March of 2019. Budgets plan for one fiscal year. So since the last fiscal year ended on March 31st of this year, that means that this government has now been governing without a budget for more than 230 days. As the parliamentary budget officer said, and I quote, budgets are fiscal plans. And to say that because there's too much uncertainty, we're going to manage without a plan is kind of bizarre. The reason we have plans is because there is uncertainty.
0: Yeah, bizarre. That's a that's a good way to describe uh, some of the federal government's spending decisions. Um, but you know what? You heard it here first, folks. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation agrees that we do need a reset, but it's a reset on government spending, starting with the budget. Now, don't go anywhere, because next up is Deep Dive, where I'll be joining our federal director, Aaron Woodrick, to talk about Alberta doing the right thing by pushing government employees to help share in the burden and take a much-needed pay cut stay tuned.
3: Welcome to Deep Dive. That's the part of the show where we like to dive deeper into important issues of the day. And today we're going to talk about everybody's favorite topic, government bureaucrats and the need to reduce labor costs to help balance the books. Uh, Joining me to talk about this is our very own Alberta director, Franco Terrazano. Franco, I know you've got some pretty interesting stuff going on in Alberta right now, so maybe you can fill us in.
0: Yeah, interesting. That's certainly uh, one way to put it, because um, right now, Alberta's Kenny government is asking its employees to take about a 3 or 4% uh, wage cut. So there actually is a government in Canada trying to reduce government employee pay, and it certainly needs to happen um, in Alberta. Uh, we just saw total government compensation costs increase by about 15% while pay to all Alberta workers went down by 5% since the downturn began at the end of 2014 in our province here. And of course, this is being met by union bosses lighting their collective hairs on fire. There's already been one illegal wildcat strike and and union bosses are threatening further work stoppages. But here's the thing. Yeah, Kenny really does need to take some air out of the government's ballooning labor costs if he's going to have any hopes in balancing the budget. Um, we're expecting the biggest deficit in the province's history and government labor costs makes up more than half of the government's day-to-day spending.
3: Yeah, from what I can see here in Ottawa, Jason Kenney certainly has his hands full trying to take on the unions, uh, all of course while we're still still dealing with this pandemic situation. Now, uh, you know, I know the CTF has come out strongly and like you said, we've pointed out that this is necessary stuff and that size of government and government bureaucracy, there's just no getting around it. But, you know, we, we hear this argument a lot now, Franco, so I want to put it to you as devil's advocate. Um, you know, pandemic is on. Uh, is this the right time to reduce uh, government pay?
0: It's never an easy time to talk about pay cuts. And of course, uh, we appreciate all the hard work that our healthcare employees are doing. But I think here's a fundamental question that we need to answer. And that's how are we going to pay for all this debt that governments are racking up? And I don't think we can go to families who are struggling with their grocery bills or, or businesses who are laying off their staff and have already laid off staff and ask them to pay more. And, you know, at this point, the question isn't whether government employees should, uh, should get wage cuts or no wage cuts. It, it really is whether there's going to be wage cuts or more layoffs. And, you know, that was the question back in Alberta in 1994 when uh, Premier Ralph Klein was at the helm. And fortunately, government union bosses agreed to a 5% wage rollback.
3: And that's interesting because, of course, we're not hearing anything like that today. And I think this is an important point for that applies to governments all across Canada since, I mean, government labor makes up a huge chunk of the total government expenditures across Canada. And every government is in a sea of red ink right now. Um, so, you know, the only way they're going to address it uh, is to address the spending, you know, federally. We've proposed, uh, you know, federally, we're closing in on a trillion dollars in debt for starters, which is just was unthinkable just months ago. And we're calling on the federal government to take what we're calling a 15 and 15 approach. So to cut the size of the bureaucracy by 15% and then to roll back uh, wages for the rest by an average of 15%. And that saves about $14 billion a year. It's a lot of money. Um, and it would actually just bring us back to, 2017, believe it or not, which was two years into Justin Trudeau uh, being in government. So uh, I think the point is that we need government to share in the tough times. It can't just be taxpayers who are working outside of government that are doing all the heavy lifting.
0: Yeah, and, and unfortunately, we really haven't seen governments willing to, to really share in the tough times. And, and on that, you know, I spoke with Colin Craig. He's a former Canadian Taxpayers Federation director, and he's now the president of a think tank called SecondStreet.org. And we spoke about a new report that his organization put out on the last time government employees took a pay cut. And here's what he had to say.
4: Well, the federal government actually told us that they don't have any records of ever cutting employee pay. So it sounds like it's never happened in the federal, at the federal level uh, for the different bargaining units. And that's what the federal government told us is that they're, they don't have any records. And I was surprised by this because I thought during the, the Kretchen Martin era, uh, they did make a lot of tough spending decisions. And I thought, well, certainly there would have been something uh, back then. But according to the federal government, it didn't happen.
0: Yeah, so it's it's pretty crazy that the feds don't have any records of there ever being any pay cuts for its unionized government employees.
3: That is, that is pretty remarkable when you think about uh, the sort of cycles that governments have gone through over the last few decades. And that may really hit the nail on the head as to what's frustrating so many Canadians is this fundamental unfairness where outside of government, people are taking salary cuts, they're taking hours cuts, they're losing their jobs, businesses are going bankrupt. And meanwhile, you've got people in government, including politicians like members of parliament who received a pay increase during the pandemic. Now, to their credit, uh, about two thirds of them donated that increase. But the question is, why did it happen at all? How could they not have realized this was a terrible look and a bad thing to do? Um, And why have we not seen like what we've seen in countries like New Zealand, where the prime minister there, Jacinda Ardern, who's a BFF of Justin Trudeau, by the way, uh, she and her top bureaucrats took a 20% pay cut in April, and they did it, believe it or not, and these are her words, to show leadership and solidarity with regular people. She recognized the gap between, you know, cozy politicians and regular people, and she took some steps to demonstrate that they were going to share in that pain.
0: You know, and if we're going to talk about uh, this fundamental unfairness, we can't leave out government benefits uh there's there's many times we're looking at cases where government employees are receiving benefits that are that are almost unheard of in the private sector you know most canadians working outside of government they don't even receive a workplace pension um you know what secondstreet.org they found that there's cities across canada that are offering some of their employees two or three pensions on top of an already generous pension now here's what colin had to say on that
4: In some cities, they offer not just one pension, but two. They have typically a very generous main pension plan that all employees get. And then they have these secondary pensions, which top up that first pension plan. So it's sort of like layering gold upon, you know, an already golden pension. At the city of Calgary, some employees actually get a third pension plan. So they get the generous pension plan plus two top-up.
0: Yeah, so we have taxpayers right now who are struggling and who are still being forced to pay for two or three pensions in some cities across the country.
3: That's pretty breathtaking when you've got most Canadians who have no pension at all, and yet you've got you know some government employees are getting two or three pensions at a time when most Canadians who don't work in government don't even have one pension at all. Uh, Well, Franco, thanks as always for sharing that information. We're certainly going to have more to say on the labor issue in the coming weeks and months, and we'll provide some links in the show notes on the information we discussed if you want to learn more.
5: It's time for Waste Watch. This is when we make fun of the dumb things that governments are wasting your money on. James, I'm bracing myself. What do you have for us this week?
2: Okay, so I'll I'll start with a question. Okay, Chris. Given all this pandemic craziness, how much have you budgeted for art
5: in your office? Art.
4: Okay.
5: art? That's a weird question, but the budget for art in my home office is next to zero. I do have a really pretty 1950s planters that I love. It is shaped like a little spring lamb. Uh, I put a $3 jade plant in it. I paid for that myself. And I did it because it's good to have a nice and pretty zoom shot behind you for your TV interviews nowadays. Uh, But to be clear, Art is great. Uh, I've got it throughout my house, but it is not a big part of our spending right now. Times are tough. Why do you ask?
2: Well, that's the thing. You should pass that philosophy on to the folks over at the the CRTC in Gatineau. Mm -hmm. So that's the the bureaucrats there. They're the arm of the federal government that essentially regulates broadcasting and telecommunications, TV, radio licenses, that kind of thing across the country. According to office spending records we recently dug up, that agency managed to spend close to nine grand on an art rental to decorate their head office in, in Gatineau. Here's the really annoying thing, though. The office has basically been evacuated since the end of March, so this stuff was put up, and no one is ever really going to see it.
5: Okay, wait a minute. Hold up. That sounds dumb on the surface, but they actually rented art to decorate their office that no one is really going to anyway now. That's just a new level of silliness. Is the art for the ghosts of Christmas past bureaucrats to enjoy? This doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, the record really speaks for itself. It's so it's, it's a bunch of, I had been asking about office uh, spending in the wake of everyone leaving the office to go yeah. work from home. Cause I was curious about how much money was still going towards, you know, putting things to the office or how much was going towards home office spending, that kind of thing. So I got a bunch of records back from a bunch of agencies. And one of the things that came up for the CRTC was buried in this list of line items. It was this art rental and it, it clearly states that the art was delivered on April 1st of this year and paid for on June 26th, a total cost of $8,761 for a one-year rental. And the thing is, is that that time frame, no one was actually going to those offices, especially like April 1st and, and June 26th. Like the amount of people that would have been going to those offices would have been either zero or very little because everyone was told to work from home because of the pandemic. So when I saw it, I was like, uh, what? Like, <laughs> why, why is this art going to an empty building? So I reached out to the CRTC comms people, and they did defend themselves when I gave them a shout. Apparently, the spending is an annual thing. The deal was put together in January, and they've been monitoring and evaluating all their
5: spending since COVID-19 arrived. Well, love- Of course, that's what they would say. We're monitoring and evaluating the situation. Just add government. (laughs) You know, this is strange when you think about it, because renting art on taxpayers' dime is already, frankly, wasteful. And now these buildings are empty. So if art is hanging on the wall and there's no one there to see it, is it ever even really truly art? (laughs) We're going to go down a rabbit hole here. You know, (laughs) this money that's wasted here uh, may not be as big as some of the other stuff that we've had on the show in the past, but it is worth talking about because it is both symbolic and very unnecessary. Even if this was done back in January, it should have been one of the first things evaluated out of the CRTC's budget altogether. Gone. When they sent people home, they should have slashed this budget. They should have stopped this spending. In an actual real business, this kind of spending would not fly. It'd be one of the first things to go. So it really makes you wonder what else they've been missing. And that holds true across all government departments.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Like, There have been multiple reports about the cost involved making bureaucrats work from home. Black Lux reporter just said a story last week about the more than 36 million Ottawa has spent on new desks, chairs, and other equipment for homebound workers. Like they've apparently been saving money on some of the office expenses for the buildings that are empty right now, as you'd expect, but you'd think that they would take a look at those budgets and slash them to the absolute minimum, seeing as no one is really in those offices. But instead, we get art being put up on autopilot in a nearly empty building.
5: Oh, It's just so indicative of the waste at government levels. Okay, so do we know if anyone at the CRTC actually piped up and said, Hey, guys, this is a bad idea, especially now. We, said we should cancel our art rental.
2: I, I did put that question to the comms folks for the CRTC. And as you can probably imagine, they didn't really answer it. But I've got a tips rolling to see if there's any chatter between officials about it. So we'll wait and see there.
5: And in the meantime, that art
2: is still just hanging there in an empty room. Yeah, until they swap in the new stuff next year. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. That's the show. Thanks for listening. And I got to give a huge thank you to our investigative journalist who also doubles as our podcast editor, James Wood, because, uh, yeah, I messed up a ton trying to record this podcast. And, and I know James is out there trying to make me sound good. So thanks for that, James.
1: And there's a lot of people out there calling on the government to spend more right now, but not a lot of voices like ours telling them to spend less. So help us spread the word. If you like the show, please uh, subscribe on our podcast channel. Like, share, comment on social media so other people can hear the word as well.
3: Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, President of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favour and do them a favour and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening, and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.